0: Friday, August 19th, 2016, here on the Patriots Beat Podcast on CLNS Radio. Going to be going over the second preseason game for the Patriots, going over some of the biggest performers and some of the biggest disappointments from the game, as well as giving my first 10 cuts for the Patriots roster. We also welcome in Doug Moore, Pat's pulpit, and much more. Hope for a fun show. Hope you enjoy it. This is Larry H. Russell speaking on behalf of the network, thanking you once again for downloading the Patriots Beat Podcast here on CLNS Radio. The leading online provider of audio video coverage for New England professional sports. Download the free CLNS Radio mobile app for your iPhone or Android for immediate and convenient access to all the content available on the CLNS Radio YouTube channel, podcasting network, and CLNSradio.com. Now, on to another edition of Patriots Beat. Take it away, Harris. Thanks Larry. Hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Patriots Beat. It's episode number 135 on CLNS Radio. Find us on clnsradio.com, on Twitter at CLNS Radio, and support us on Facebook at facebook.com slash clnsfans. Hello everybody. Nice to be back here on the Patriots Beat Podcast. Another fun week of Patriots news and another regularly boring preseason game as usual. But this time the Patriots come out of it totally unscathed. No big time injuries. Just nothing, thank God. No injuries like last week with Malcolm Mitchell. No problems to speak of on the terms of the injury bug. But alas, we do have things to go over on this episode. I'll be going over some of the bigger performers from the game and also some of the bigger disappointments, as well as giving you guys my first 10 cuts on this Patriots team. There is so much talent on this roster, guys, so it's going to be tough to see who can actually make it through to the final 52 and who's going to be left off at the first round of cuts. I don't think we're up to the official first round of cuts um, there's like an exact point in the NFL training camp time where official first cuts are due. I think that's maybe next week. But either way, I'll be giving you my first 10. We also welcome in Doug Moore of Pat's Pulpit. He writes all over the place. Uh, he's a really good writer, good friend of the show. So happy to have him come on and give us his notes from the night. But anyway, let's get right into it. So I think, you know... As If any of you are regular listeners to this show, if you are, thank you for coming back. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to the chaos that is Patriots beat. But if you look at the this game, you'll know that the first person I'm going to point out is currently probably my my next favorite player on this team, and that that's Trey Flowers. Trey Flowers tonight, again, looking like the best defensive end outside of Jabal Shear that the Patriots have. I know Chris Long is going to be good this year. I know Ninkovich is good, but we, we don't know what's going to happen with him with his injury, but Trey Flowers out of the rest of the guys – Right now, he looks like a potential star. I think this is guy is going to have a huge breakout season. He proved it again with a couple of nice moves on their right tackle, as well Has a really, really good sack set up uh, on the right guard. He just literally threw the right guard like a full three hundred pound man, just threw him to the side. Got the nice sack on Jay Cutler. So another great game for Trey Flowers. Another step forward in his NFL progression. I think if he stays healthy, you know we're really going to uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll have a really good defensive line. Especially with Trey Flowers, if he ends up turning out, but another person that really turned out was uh, Anthony Johnson, which is, is interesting because we haven't really heard anything about him at all during camp. And we, you know, usually you hear, "Oh, this guy's having a great camp. Oh, it's really showing up on the practice field." But like, we just haven't heard about anything involving Anthony Johnson. Like, I know that coming out of uh, high school, he was a five-star recruit, according to Doug Kite of Nesson. Five-star recruit, I know he had some... I know Mike Loico uh, from New England Patriots Draft noted in his scouting report of him that, you know, he, he had some red flags off the field. He does have first and second-round talent, but he had a lot of off-the-field issues and a, a lot of stuff at, at uh, LSU that just didn't really... That, that kind of pushed him to the wayside. But, you know... Anthony Johnson showed up tonight and had a real, one really good series where he completely dominated the whole series, forced the three and out basically by himself. Um, you know, this deep tackle position, guys, is really deep. I, I don't think we can really look at a single player outside of maybe Malcolm Brown and say, oh, yeah, this guy is going to make the team. Because we now have Alan Branch in this whole crazy suspension, which we will get more information on throughout the week. So keep track on that. Marcus Kuhn is probably going to make the team. Uh, probably one of the more underrated signings. I agree with a lot of the Twitter sphere with that. He was one of the more underrated signings of the Patriots. Didn't get a lot of fanfare, but they got him for a really good price. Um, Vincent Valentin maybe makes this, or probably does make this team just because of his, uh, you know, just got drafted as a rookie. But, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with Allen Branch. We don't know what's going to happen with Terrence Knighton. Frank Hurst hasn't done crap on the field. Joe Volano's probably not making this team. So Anthony Johnson's an, a guy who you know, you really have to look at to make a spot on this team because, you know, when I go through my first 10 cuts later, I'll obviously kind of go through this a little more, but I don't know if Terrence Knighton's going to make this team. I think Terrence Knighton is a bubble player on the Patriots' rosters right now. I'll say that right away. I think Vincent Valentin is ahead of him. I think Marcus Kuhn is ahead of him. I think Malcolm Brown is ahead of him. And Alan Branson, when he comes back healthy, is probably ahead of him. And I'm not going to say Anthony Johnson is ahead of Terrence Knighton yet. That, that'd be crazy to say off of a couple good snaps. But... You know, I think if this game proved anything, Terrence Knight needs to work for his role. And I'm not—he's a—he's a great player. You know, he's a lot of fun to, to um to look at. He's a lot—he's a lot of fun. You know, with, with a lot of his with a lot of his past uh, performances with the Broncos, he wasn't too great with the Redskins last year. But he was really looking to make a career comeback with the Patriots this year. And he just—he hasn't really impressed through the first two preseason games. I think he'll still eventually make this team just because of his experience. On that defensive line. Especially with Alan Branch being suspended. The, uh, he might be suspended the first game. I don't know. We'll see. But. No. I, I don't know if Terrence Knighton's spot on this roster. Is really as solidified as some people make it out to be. Um, one name. That. Or two names. Excuse me. From the linebacker position. That everyone kept talking about all night. Was uh, Kamu Greger Hill. And Alandon Roberts. Sorry if I butchered the. Uh, Greger Hill's name. I'm not really 100% sure how to say it. I think that's right though. But. um. I th- I think that both of them have really interesting jobs because both of them are incredible athletes. Um, Gregor Hill is more of a safety linebacker combo. He actually looks more like a strong safety if you look at him. He's he's very thin, well not very thin. Obviously, he's an NFL linebacker, or NFL uh, uh, player, but you know he he he's definitely not as. Filled out is the right word I'd use as a linebacker. Wearing the number 48, he doesn't even have a linebacker's number. So very interesting what they're going to do with him. I think he's going to be a big, big asset on special teams because he's a superior athlete, very fast, very quick, very good tackler. So it will be interesting to see what they can get out of uh, Gregor Hill. Again, sorry if I butchered the name. Um, also, Landon Roberts made a couple of really nice tackles tonight when he actually got put into the game. I think he's definitely someone to watch out as a backup linebacker just because Rufus Johnson has has been no, you know, has not really done anything, and I think they really just need another linebacker. Ramon Humber's okay, but I think Landon Roberts has a really good chance of sliding into that number four linebacker position, or number five, excuse me, behind uh, Shane McClellan, Freeney, Hightower, and Collins. So we'll really see... What happens with that linebacker position, I think Riger Hill will kind of just make the team as a special teams guy like Slater and Brandon King, and Alana Roberts will make it as a linebacker. But, you know, a couple, uh, a couple guys in the secondary to point out. Daryl Roberts had a couple really nice pass breakups tonight. Uh, finally getting to see him in uh, game action after his wrist injury last year is really nice. Looks really set up to have a good camp. I mean, this, this fifth cornerback uh, job is, is really heating up, guys. I mean, Daryl Roberts, Jonathan Jones, Uh, Craven Craven LeBlanc, or however you say his name, EJ Biggers is also in that conversation. So, you know, a lot of guys going for one position that, you know, the Patriots don't really keep more than five or six cornerbacks. So they're really fighting for their jobs here. Um, Justin Coleman, um, I was speaking a lot of him last week. But he had a pretty bad game tonight. And even last week he didn't have a great game. But he had a little trouble on the outside with Alshon Jeffrey. And I wanted to bring that up as a topic for this, uh, for the show, my biggest worry with this cornerback, um, with this cornerback team, or excuse me, with this team of corners, I don't know where the size is because I, I know that Logan Ryan, you know, he's five eleven. Like Malcolm Butler's 5'11". five eleven. Coleman's five eleven. Cyrus Jones is five ten. Like, I, I know that um, Logan Ryan had some success last season against bigger receivers, but I just, I, you know, even tonight with Alton Jeffrey i 'm a little worried that one of the biggest weaknesses on this team is is their size of the corner acquisition i 'm worried how they're going to handle some of these big wide receivers that we have in the NFL today. I mean thank God no, there 's no Martavis Bryant, but you know I think they're going to have a really big issue with like an a j green this year i think they 're going to have an issue again with Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker, even though every team has issues with them it's just you know most teams have some sort of corner, just a larger corner than usual that can take some, of these, take some of their size away at least and then put a safety over the top to secure the speed. But I don't know. I think we're going to see some interesting bracketing and interesting secondary uh, formations once we really get into the season with a lot of these bigger wide receivers. Just because if you look at their physical team, they just don't have the size to keep up with a lot of these guys. And I think Alshon Jeffrey really proves it tonight that there is a big hole on this cornerback team, and that there is no Brandon Browner, there is no just big corner that can take out uh, the size and strength of a wide receiver, but anyway, Cyrus Jones had a really nice interception tonight, and looked really good in the uh, return game, definitely a guy you need to keep your eyes out for, Um, smart player, very athletic guy, one of the, you'll probably end up in the slot somewhere, probably behind Coleman, or even the number three if Coleman keeps struggling. But, no, Cyrus Jones, definitely a guy to watch. Played very well so far this uh, preseason, especially in the return game. Definitely going to be someone that makes a big impact this year. On to the safeties. Nothing really crazy to prove out. Sorry to Nate Ebner for not watching. uh, Excuse me, for not getting into uh, a medal for USA Rugby. But, you know what? Everyone should go watch a little rugby. I'm, I'm serious. I was sitting, I think it was Saturday morning, last Saturday morning, maybe. Maybe Monday or Tuesday. Um, it was so much fun to watch. It was awesome. They were just these big guys running into each other. Nate Emner scored a, scored a a touchdown or, or whatever the touchdown thing is in rugby. Now he looked, he looked really good. It was nice to see him, uh, doing something that wasn't playing football. I know he was a hell of a rugby player at Ohio state. And obviously he's a hell of a rugby player if he's making the USA national team. So good for Nate Emner. Thank you for You know, representing this country in Rio, you have done your country a very nice service. But uh, the rest of the safeties, Vinny Sinceri, Cedric Thompson, you know, what are you going to get out of them? Jordan Richards has has shown that he's made some good steps so far in the preseason. I'm actually pretty impressed by uh, Jordan Richards, and I think we're going to see a a new player this year. I I always think that it takes a year. If you're not like a superstar player coming out of college, I think – You should, you know, the rookie year, you really should be given a year just to get your body aligned, get your mind aligned. And Jordan Richards is such a smart player. I think he needed a year to get his body aligned with his mind to really fit into the NFL game. And I think he's done that. He definitely looks a lot bigger to me. He looks like someone who's going to, you know, really have an impact in the secondary. So hope for a big year from Jordan Richards. I'm really looking forward to seeing his mind back on the field for the Patriots. But, no, defensively all around, I think they had a good night. I think they got off to a pretty slow start. Uh, going down 11 nothing, even in a preseason game, isn't really refreshing. Uh, that second drive that the Bears had, that's the first touchdown they scored, was a really long and grueling drive. But one thing that you always need to make sure of when you're watching preseason, I don't really look... At how a team... Like, I don't care what the final score is. It doesn't really matter to me. What I care about is how does a team respond after being down or, you know, kind of getting defeated in a big-time way. And tonight, you know, the Patriots get really, like, pushed back hard on uh, on defense. You know, Bears come out, score a touchdown, really take the win out of the game. It's 11-0. Patriots had the ball for, like, I don't know, like 89 seconds or something. I think Zach Cox tweeted something from Nesson. And... You know, they, the Patriots offense comes out. They make a nice drive down the field. Unfortunately, Brandon Bolden made a terrible move on the outside and fumbled the ball or got stripped. But then again, the defense comes back out, stops the Bears, and then again, the Patriots offense comes back out with the two-minute drill, and holy cow, Jimmy Garoppolo in the two-minute drill. Whoo! said is it, is, is it hot in here, or or is it just me? Jimmy Garoppolo in in the... Two-minute drill was just beautiful. Four for six, let him right down the field. A really, really big boy NFL throw to A.J. Derby for the touchdown. I'm telling you, that throw that he made was probably one of the best throws I've ever seen him make so far. Tight window, falling away, hit him right in the numbers. Perfect throw from Jimmy Garoppolo, getting the touchdown on that two-minute drill. Very impressive stuff. Overall, though, I think they didn't really want to challenge Garoppolo too much. I saw a report. I forget what writer it's from, and I do agree with this. They were talking about how they don't want to push Garoppolo too much, which is why they wanted to start Brady, was because he's been throwing the ball so much in practice and in games. Like, it's been the most he's – think about it. It's the most he's thrown the ball in three years, preparing to start his first NFL season, Um, taking first and second team reps when Brady leaves, plus the preseason games, all the extra – Excuse me. All the extra steps that he's taken, you know, it's it's a lot of stress to put on a 23 year old's arm, especially one that hasn't thrown that rigorously and probably going on three years now. So I think it's good that they really kind of took the pedal off the metal with him. He only threw I think 16 balls uh, today, so not, nothing to worry about with uh, with Garofalo down the stretch. Really nice to see him make some good throws. Again, a little un a little strange. It took him so long to get settled. I think that's something he's going to have to adjust to in the NFL, that you can't just come in and throw your first two drives away and, and say, oh, I was just warming up. Like, like no, you got to – as soon as you hit the ground running, you, you got to get this going with the offense. So I think that's something they're going to work on uh, in the third and fourth preseason game, even with or without Brady. It's just getting off to a hot start. Um, no Gronkowski, no Edelman, no Amendola. Uh, no – excuse me, also no – uh, Shaq Mason or Jonathan Cooper again. Um, David Andrews started today in the center job. Uh, my dad actually brought this up to me that, you know, Dan Connolly, his career was really shut down hard by concussions. He was a really good offensive line for the Patriots. You remember, I believe he was on the 2014 team. But, you know, concussions really ruined his career. And I'm worried that the same thing is happening to Brian Stork. Just because I think that this concussion problem is really setting him back. And it's giving David Andrews a big, big chance to really take the starting job for him. But I I feel bad if I'm Brian Stork. Just because I've worked so hard to get back from a lot of injuries, concussion problems. And unfortunately, you know, this is kind of happening to him now. I think he'll turn it around. I still still think David Andrews is going to start week one at center. I don't know if Brian Stork is going to be able to beat him out. Especially after David Andrews put up a decent performance tonight. A couple of people I want to talk about on offense. I want to talk about these running backs, man, because you know no Deion Lewis, so the rest of the rest of these guys. So Blount looked good tonight. Finally, I'm recording this uh, right after the game. Uh, all the for the rest of the preseason, except for Friday or n- next week's game, which is Carolina, which is on a Friday since we released this on Friday, record on Thursday. Um, we won't be doing the lap. I'll just be going over the week of preseason. But this game, uh, saying tonight, obviously being Thursday night. But Legarrette Blunt looked really good tonight. Really impressed by what we've seen from him uh, so far in preseason. I know a lot of people are kind of questioning that, but I, I don't know. I, I've been decently impressed. I think that Legarrette Blunt has actually shown that he need, he deserves a spot on this roster, or or at least the Patriots need him on this roster, just because you know the the rest of the running backs don't really have the NFL experience that he does, as well as they don't really have the the power that he really brings to the running back position, especially at the goal line. Uh, I always talk about how he's not good in short-yarded situations, and he's not. But there's a difference between a short-yard situation at the 40- or 50-yard line and being able to slam the ball in at the goal line. He's very good at, at, at doing just that, slamming the ball into the goal line, being a tough guy to bring down for a couple of yards and get the ball in the end zone. You know, they gave Tyler Gaffney a chance to do that tonight. He didn't really take on the big chance, and I think that that was a big missed opportunity for him because I think that if he proves that he can do goal line duties as well as being a good first and second down runner. All of a sudden, he's ahead of LeGarrette Blunt on the depth chart, but unfortunately, he, di- he just didn't take advantage of the situation, and I think it's going to hurt his chances at making the roster if he can't prove to be a good guy down at the goal line. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what the running back position goes on, uh, with the rest of the year. James White looked really good again for the second game in a row. James Devlin, thank God James Devlin is back. He looks great leading the running attack again. Uh, very clear that they missed him last year during a lot of different, uh, different times with a lot of different running backs. Very clear that they needed a fullback of some sort to just give them the extra push they needed. And having James Devlin back has really given the Patriots offense that Excuse me, that factor that they were missing last season. Looking at the wide receiver position, um, very, very disappointed in one player in particular, and that player, unfortunately, is Nate Washington. So let's let's just start with my cuts because my my first surprise—I don't know if it's even a surprise—my cut, like big, small, whatever the heck you want to call it, my quote-unquote big cut is Nate Washington as of right now. I don't think Nate Washington makes this team. I really don't. I just, you know, the, the wide receivers that are ahead of are him right now, Amid- or Edelman, Amendola, Chris Hogan, Dobson, in my opinion, is ahead of him, as is, uh, excuse me, as is Keyshawn Martin, So, all of a sudden, you have five receivers that are already ahead of him, plus you have DeAndre Carter, plus you have Devin Lucian, plus you have Chris Harper, and, of course, Malcolm Mitchell. We'll see if he actually ends up starting the season. If Malcolm Mitchell can't start the season, then Nate Washington makes his football team. But if Malcolm Mitchell's okay for week one, which is looking very, very likely that he is, Nate Washington is not going to be on this team. I thought it was a weird signing when they first brought him in. I didn't really understand it because they didn't really need him. But I I don't think he makes his team out of camp. So that's one. Um, Jalapio is getting cut. He hasn't really shown me anything. Kayvon Milton is getting cut, as is Bear Bear Pasco, Stephen Shue, and probably Bryce Williams. So that's seven. Seven on offense as of right now. And then looking down the rest of the roster, Joey Ayasofa unfortunately doesn't make this team. That's eight. Then we're going to go with – who's our next guy? I, I don't, Kevin Snyder probably won't make this team, and V'Angelo Bentley won't make this team. So nothing really too surprising outside of Nate Washington. Um, one thing that's really interesting looking at this team is that it's just so deep everywhere, you know? It's really nice to see just – I say this every single week, and I know it sounds repetitive, but I, I can't get over how deep this team is, man. Like they just have so many good first-team quality players. At positions, uh, excuse me, at positions that are just necessity, center, uh, corner, center, cornerback, um, defensive tackle, defensive end, linebacker, safety, wide receiver, quarterback, they're three deep. I mean, they like, again, their only real weakness again is, is tackle. And Mike Loico, I'll bring him up a lot just because I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of his content. But Mike Loico brought this up that it'd be really nice to trade a position of strength and maybe bring in a tackle because goodness no it just it's so bad so bad so recording this now Patriots just won 23 to 22 good win for the Patriots Uh solid performance overall Flowers was really good um, I think once again as I'll always bring him up I think he's gonna be end up being one of the uh, star players for this team this year but hold on let one thing I haven't brought up, and you're probably pretty confused that I haven't already, but this whole scissor thing with Brady, I'm, I'm going to stop this right now. Do not make this a big deal. Do not. It doesn't matter. Do, there are no hot takes to be made here. There, there are no—we don't need your takes. It's not a big deal. He cut his thumb on some scissors. They, weren't, they didn't really want him to play anyway. Just gave him another reason to say no, and they sent him home. Done. Game over. Mazel tov. we've discovered that Tom Brady is human and can cut himself on scissors like literally any other human being could possibly do. I believe the report was he was cleaning stuff out of his cleats. You know, that sounds like a pretty likely thing to happen. You're cleaning your cleats, you slip, and you cut your finger. Whoops. It it happens, people. No big deal. So that's something I need to get off my chest because I saw a couple Twitterlings trying to rile people up about this, but it doesn't matter. But anyway, um, Patriots 2-0 in preseason doesn't really matter because the Lions went 4-0 before they went 0-16. But, hey, it's always nice to actually win games instead of lose them. But, hey, one person that people need to start looking at as a person that needs to make this team is A.J. Derby. A.J. Derby has been making plays all over the field – I am so impressed by what A.J. Derby is currently bringing to the table. He's bringing good hands, good blocking, good route running, just a lot of things you want to see as a number four tight end. But, you know, the only problem is, you know, if you're the Patriots and you see this roster, do you keep four tight ends? You know, it's kind of hard to argue for four tight ends. Just because, you know, Clay is a totally serviceable tight end. They tried to get him two years ago. We know they like him. Bennett and Gronk. <coughs> Excuse me. I just don't understand where AJ Derby fits on this team. And it's un- it's unfortunate because, you know, drafted last year, got injured. But he's a really good tight end. I mean, he showed off a really good repertoire with Garoppolo. We need to see what he can do with Brady if there's anything there. Because, obviously, Brady's chemistry with uh, with the tight ends is paramount. But... AJ Derby has really shown that he's going to force Bill Belichick's hand in this stuff. You know, They really need to wonder if he can make this team. Because if he can and he's an asset, then you put him on the team. But if not, whatever team that they – or excuse me, whatever – whenever they actually cut him, he's going to get picked up, which is the unfortunate thing. That Once he's gone, he's gone. So you really need to make sure that you want him on this team or you don't want him on this team, and you'd be very convinced of that. Um, One person that I have not shouted out yet that deserves shouting out before we bring in uh, Doug Moore of Pat's Pulpit who will give us his notes on the game. You know what, man? Joe Tooney is going to start a guard for this team. He's been their best offensive lineman in camp so far. He's looked great. I mean, even in this second preseason game, you know, he had really good uh, push off the line. He was okay in the run game, but in the past game, they couldn't get past him. <laughs> I know that's a, a weird little twofer there. But no, he just – he played incredibly well at the left guard position. I, I, I think he's just starting left guard right now. I think you go into the game with – or excuse me, you go into the first game with with excuse me, with Joe Tooney at left guard. Maybe – it really depends what happens with right guard because Josh Klein was okay tonight. Josh Klein was good last year, and they gave him a new deal, but Shaq Mason – played really well also uh, so far last year. So we'll see what happens with the offensive line going down. Cause right now the guards are shaping out that Joe Tooney is making a huge argument for starting on this football team. And I, I, I don't blame him. I I, I think if you're I, I think if you're him, you just keep pushing. Joe Tooney has been playing incredibly well so far in camp I am, I am very impressed, very impressed in what we're seeing at Joe Tooney. Another really good offensive line draft pick from Scarnecchio. We know what he can do when he's brought into a good situation. So hopefully Joe Tooney can continue his good play and we can actually get some solidification along the offensive line. But it is that time of week again. We're going to bring on Doug Moore. Just want to remind you guys that this interview with Doug is brought to you brought to you, excuse me, br- by Blue Apron. Can't speak today, guys. Get fun to cook meals for and with your family and friends by ordering healthy and delicious ingredients from Blue Apron that delivered straight to your doorstep. I mentioned this last week that I used this service to buy or to make ingredients, excuse me, to I bought ingredients to make chicken parm, like, wrapped in garlic bread. and It was amazing. Great ingredients. Uh, Me and my girlfriend really enjoyed the service. It was quick. It was easy. They delivered right to our door. Get meals for under 10 bucks with the freshest and in-season ingredients. As a loyal supporter of CLNS Radio, we're offering your first three meals free with free shipping. Go to blueapron.com slash Celticsbeat. That's blueapron.com slash Celticsbeat. So, without further ado, let's bring in Doug Moore. So, Doug, to really uh, get right into it, we had a fun game tonight—twenty-three to twenty-two victory, uh, preseason victory, whatever you want to take it to. But uh, obviously, some good performance, uh, performances tonight. What did uh, what did you see out of the game?
1: Yeah, so I think uh, the biggest thing we saw was the transition. Uh, at least what most people were looking at is the biggest transition between the first quarter and the second quarter, and even beyond that. He played one series in the in the third quarter. Uh, what Jimmy Garoppolo did. You know, he threw for like forty yards in the first half. You know, pedestrian numbers. But then he threw like for a hundred and forty something yards within, you know, uh, the second quarter. He threw a touchdown. Much better performance, especially that two minute drive he had at the end of the second quarter, at the end of the the halftime. Uh, and he came back out. He still, I think, he still led them down the field for a field goal uh, on the the uh, first series of the third quarter as well. So a big, uh, it was a good sign to see him uh, doing better. In the second quarter, you know, obviously you want to see him better, you know, a solid throughout. But I think expectations are always going to be a little lofty for him. So I think with what he did tonight, it granted his preseason, but I think he did really well. And there were some other plays that stood out really well. But I think that what most people are looking at, uh, obviously, was Garoppolo. And he, he did pretty well for himself tonight.
0: That two-minute drill that he ran was was really impressive. I think that was probably the most impressive, I guess, NFL-level thing that we've really seen him do since the start of camp. I mean... That throw to AJ Derby was probably the best throw he's made as a Patriot so far.
1: Yeah, it was a terrific throw. It caught him right in traffic. Um, you know, the safety uh, came over late. He was a uh, single coverage. Got him right at the uh, at the sideline. It was a terrific throw, a terrific catch in traffic by Derby, and uh, it helped set them up right in the red zone. So it was it was a great it was a great uh, throwing catch there, definitely.
0: What do you think of this AJ Derby guy? Because I I've I'm concerned because I really want him to make this team, you know, it's it's tough to hold four tight ends on a roster, but you have to know that whatever, if you cut him, he's going to get picked up in a second. So is there a spot for him on this team?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is obviously you have Gronk and you have Martellus Bennett at the one and two spots uh, on the tight end depth chart. Really what this is going to be is it's going to be at this point competing uh, Clay Harbor and A.J. Derby for that number three spot. They're going to keep a number a, a third tight end, it might be hard pressed to, to keep a fourth one, but I think that it's going to come down to Clay Harbor and uh, and AJ Derby for this number three spot. You know, you have other guys like Bryce Williams, Stephen Shue, uh, Bear Pascal, even, um, but it's going to come down to AJ Derby and um, and Harbor. It, it's interesting because what you see out of uh, of Clay Harbor is he and he's and this has been mentioned before. He's sort of in the same mold as James Devlin. He's an H-back type of guy who's, who's uh, technically a tight end, but he can be a move tight end. He can play a little fullback, H-back. Um, so that's going to be the big thing. And then, you know, but he doesn't do much in blocking in terms of run blocking. I haven't seen a lot from him, and he was always more of a, a receiving type. With uh, A.J. Derby, you know, obviously he was a, a fifth-round pick last year. He missed the entire season. He's done really well for himself. Um, so far this preseason. I think he's a better blocker, but more so it's just going to be who is going to offer more all around. So, you know, when it comes down to it, maybe it's Clay Harbor's position, versatility versus A.J. Derby's blocking and receiving uh, sort of mixed together. And uh, I think that's what's going to really lead down to it. I I think right now my favorite is A.J. Derby, uh, but we saw, you know, in the third quarter uh, Clay Harbor making some plays. So, it's going to come down to the wire, but I think if Derby has a shot, it's going to be that number three tight end.
0: It's, it's nice to see the Patriots uh, kind of having like the old classic NFL battle of the grimly veteran with you know Harbor. He's been around six or seven years with uh, you know with AJ Derby only being around one or two. Nice. Yeah, he, yeah,
1: he was a, he was a wild card because you know he was he was a fifth round draft pick last year, and unfortunately he missed the entire season. Um, so not a lot of expectations coming into. Uh, Into this season, this preseason. And uh, I think he's blown, uh, you know, blown these projections or what people thought of him out of the water because, you know, again, you saw Gronk and then Bennett, and you don't really have to worry about the rest of it. But now it's actually become a serious competition where we've seen Derby, what he can actually do. And then. Clay Harbour was always the, the favorite for the most part. And now he's got some really solid competition, like you said, the second-year player who's finally getting his first uh, you know, first taste of the NFL. So it's going to be really interesting. I think money-wise, another thing to keep in mind is um, Harbor's making more money and the way his one-year deal is structured uh, is that they could still save a lot of money if they cut him. So I think that's another thing to keep in mind where Harbour is a, you know under a fifth-round draft picks contract and, and Harbour was signed to a uh, – Still a, a veteran sort of minimum deal, but still more than, than what Derby is making. So that's another thing to keep in mind as well.
0: So outside of Derby and Garoppolo, who are you, do you have anyone else on offense that really stuck out to you? I, I picked out Joe Tooney because I've been really impressed by him in, uh, in camp and in the past two preseason games. But do you have anyone else?
1: Yeah, no, Joe Tooney has definitely been uh, very consistent. He's been getting a lot of left guard reps. I would think at this point he, he's probably the, the heavy favorite to, to be the left guard. Uh, come week one unless Jonathan Cooper comes back and, and, and just does Dynamo. But, you know, with this plantar fasciitis uh, issue, it, it's an unknown. And, and I would definitely agree Joe Tony has been doing really well. Um, somebody that that I, I've been off and on about, and, and maybe tonight changed my mind a little bit, uh, that's Laguerre Blunt. He did really well tonight, uh, making a lot of good cuts out there. He was doing a lot of, um, you know, field vision. He was seeing the field, and he was able to cut outside. And uh, he was always falling forward for yards. And he just was really going through the piles when he was going in between the tackles. He he's really impressed me, uh, at least from this game, and and obviously coming back from that hip injury. I thought that that you know Tyler Gaffney also did well, but I think if you had to compare the two, I think Blunt had a much better game. But uh, yeah, I mean, and also uh, probably another guy would be Chris Hogan. We finally saw him in in action for the Patriots. Yeah, he lives, and um, you know I think with the other in, with the other wide receivers out right now, like Julian Edelman and. And uh, D'Angelo, um, you know Chris Hogan stepped up. He didn't really do much in the first quarter, but then in the second quarter, again on that that two minute uh, two minute drill uh, drive that they had, he was a big part of it. And I think we've seen what he can be capable of, uh, whether it's playing out of the slot or maybe playing X a little bit. So uh, those are probably some of the guys on offense, at least that stood out to me.
0: Yeah, and you know I I, I totally agree with that. I think Gaffney is a really interesting case because. You know, I, I think he had a really a big missed opportunity tonight at the goal line, where you know I think if he goes if he uh, breaks in uh, breaks in there and gets a touch, I really think you have to start asking questions of if he's ahead of Blunt. But you know, once Blunt uh, put that ball into the end zone, it was kind of clear that you need Blunt at least for a goal line back. Yeah, I
1: know we saw, and I was watching the the entire um, you know goal line stance, and uh, Gaffney had three straight carries and he couldn't make anything of it, and then. Blunt gets his first goal line carry and he gets into the end zone like you said um, I, I think there I personally I think there's still a, a chance that there's a spot for both of of these uh, these guys both Gaffney and blunt to be on the roster and to both complement each other as um, you know as those big backs as, as New England likes to use them on those first two downs so I still think there's a chance that both make the roster I think blunt is obviously is a better uh, better chance right now, granted his contract again, like Harbor uh, is a very minimal contract and Gaffney's a guy that the Patriots have kept on IR for two seasons now uh, ever since they got him off the Panthers uh, w- when Panthers put him on waivers so, it's going to be interesting I- I'm still hoping that both make the roster and I think it's possible because I think one of the biggest things is they need better depth, which they didn't have last year when I had to go and get a guy like Steven Jackson or Joey Ayasofa, um that, that might be something that they try to reconsider this year. And if Gaffney can stay healthy, uh, I think that he could still have a spot on the 53-man roster with Blunt.
0: So moving on to the defensive side of the ball, I mean, the, the guy that keeps sticking out to me, and I, I mention this on my podcast all the time, it, it's Trey Flowers. I mean, at this point, he has to be the defensive MVP for preseason. I know that's not much of an award to give out, but um, still just, you know, he, he, he keeps making plays. He keeps getting penetration. He keeps getting sacks. I mean, at this point, you know, if Nikovic is out, you're pretty set at defensive end.
1: Yeah, no, I, I think that when Nikovic went down, there wasn't, I, I don't think that there should have been as much worry about, um, you know, defensive end and slash edge uh, sort of depth, because they had players, they had Chris Long, they had Trey Flowers. Um, They had Geno Grisham. So they had guys that were ready to step up. But Trey Flowers has really stepped up to another level. He didn't have as good of a season as we had hoped. Uh, He had a really good preseason last year, but then he had a knee injury that kept him out for a lot of games last season, and Grisham sort of went ahead of him. But, yeah, Flowers has made a ton of great plays, uh, done really well. And even tonight, he was getting, like you said, a lot of penetration. He was right there in the backfield to disrupt plays uh, behind the line. And, uh, yeah, he, he's just a playmaker. Obviously, he was a very uh, successful pass rusher out of Arkansas, I believe. And, um, you know, we're finally starting to see it now at an NFL level. So, it, it's good to see him finally doing something after he was injured uh, for most of last year.
0: Yeah, I, I just like what we've seen about him because he took the time that he was out injured to really, you know, strengthen his body because that my big thing with him coming out of college is that, you know, he had the frame, but he didn't necessarily have the muscle the muscle tone or the size yet to really you know do any uh, and get to get a real big impact in the NFL, but now we look at him. He's cut. He is toned. He looks really NFL ready. I'm really excited to see uh, what we're gonna get from him this year. Another person who looks really cut and ready, which I should have just learned tonight, uh, Anthony Johnson, the kid out of LSU that they have. I mentioned him. It turns out that he has actually lost over 30 pounds. Since he, uh, 40 pounds, excuse me, since he came to the Patriots, he was 320 with the Dolphins and is now down to 280, which is the lightest he's been, he said, since middle school. So Anthony Johnson had a really good game tonight, and I, maybe the weight drop helped a lot. Yeah, and
1: I think the one thing that we saw that, that sort of differs him from what we've seen out of the defensive tackles that we have for the most part, um, you know, guys like Alan Branch, Terrence Knight and Vincent Valentine—they're all big, big guys who plug holes, they plug gaps. And the thing is, is like you mentioned, the the weight loss. He was at I think 300 pounds when he went came out of LSU, and uh, now he's down I think to two 280 maybe or something like that. Like you mentioned, where he's lost a ton of weight. And I think the one thing that might help him—it's still a long ways away—but the thing that might help him get some sort of a roster spot is. You know he has the ability to not to not plug holes, but he can be right there at the first step where he is in the backfield. He's disruptive. He's stopping plays, which we saw tonight. He was constantly providing pressure. He was you know right there in the backfield, causing plays to to lose yards. And that's the one thing that might that might help him because that's so much different than the depth that we have right now at defensive tackle, where they're big guys that. Plug holes and they, you know, can't let you get through. Whereas he can get right under the the offensive line and get right into the backfield and just disrupt plays because of how, you know, he's uh, quicker. He's, you know, more lean, and, and that's going to help him. And I think that if he can continue his good play and, um, you know, just continue to, to to show that speed, then he has a chance to make this roster. I think after what we saw tonight.
0: And I definitely think that defensive tackle is one of the biggest. You know, camp fights right now. I mean, there's a lot of talent at position. Vincent Valentine, um, Malcolm Brown, Terrence Knighton, Alan Branch, now Anthony Johnson. On top of you know, even someone like Frank Curse is really fighting to make this roster. It's nice to have a, a good amount of, of depth at that D tackle position, especially with easily going at the door this offseason. But one thing, uh, another camp battle that is really uh, that I talk about a lot is the is the fight for the fifth cornerback spot which has really been raging, especially tonight with no Jonathan Jones playing. Um, I believe it was uh, – who was it that made the nice pass breakups? Daryl Roberts made a couple nice pass breakups tonight. Uh, obviously, Cyrus Jones with that nice interception, he's looked really good in camp too. But who do you think is really taking the lead in this fifth cornerback spot?
1: Yeah, so I'm assuming when you talk about the the, the cornerback, you're talking about Malcolm Butler. Um... Logan Ryan, Cyrus Jones, and then Justin Coleman. Correct. Yes. Okay, so the fifth spot would probably be somewhere between uh, John. Basically, the three undrafted guys, I think, uh, and Daryl Roberts. So the three undrafted free agents. I, I believe all three of them were undrafted. Is Ethan Bigger
0: still on this team too? I he, think he he, he yeah, is. Yeah, go. he played tonight <laughs> a little
1: bit, and yes. I, I don't think he has a shot really. I think he's just more of a veteran uh, a veteran guy there who's competing, but I think he's behind the eight ball a little bit. So I mean, when I think about it, it's a it's a competition between Kervon uh, LeBlanc, uh, Viangelo Bentley, and uh, Jonathan Jones, and then uh, Daryl Roberts as well. And, and and if I had to to pick two guys, because it, I, I was I was on the Jonathan Jones bandwagon, um, but I think him not playing tonight might hurt him a little bit. Plus, being undersized, uh, he could make it as a sixth cornerback if they decide to keep one because. Um, you know, maybe they need someone else on special teams as a gunner. Uh, but I, I think it's going to be really down to Cravon LeBlanc and V'Angelo Bentley, actually. And both have made really good plays, not only in, in, in uh, the preseason, but also in training camp. So that'll be something to, to watch out for. Um, but I think, you know, when you when your biggest camp battle, or at least one of them, is your fifth cornerback spot, you're doing pretty well for yourself. So that'll be something to watch. But again, it's also something to keep in the back of mind that that, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're talking about the fifth cornerback spot as opposed to who's going to be our starter. So if I had to give an edge right now, I, I would personally say Kervon LeBlanc might get that fifth cornerback spot. Um, and that's just that's just me. You know, both, again, have all of them in me good plays. But if I had to name one guy, it would probably be Kervon uh, LeBlanc.
0: Yeah, I like to remember our listeners that this Patriots team is so special because of how deep it is. We haven't really had a roster this deep in a very, very long time. But, um, you know, with a roster this deep, you are going to have some pretty, you know, namely guys that don't make this roster. Is there anyone that you think currently on this Patriots roster that has any sort of a name that you don't think is going to make it very far past camp?
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple of guys that that might not make it past, you know, training camp and and preseason. I would say more so offensively uh, because, uh, we, we have a lot of running backs that people like and a lot of wide receivers as well. I'm not saying we have a, you know, great depth, but we, we have a lot of serviceable guys that, you know, we could seek on. So, you know, we have guys at wide receiver, for example, Edelman, Amendola, Hogan, Mitchell, um, you know, Keyshawn Martin, Devin Lucian, um, Chris Harper, Nate Washington. There's going to be some guys that don't make this team. I think one guy that I'm going to single out is probably Nate Washington. He's a veteran, but we haven't seen much out of him yet. I don't even think he's been out, taken off the PUV list. I could be wrong, but I don't think he's been taken off yet, or well, he's just not done much. Um, so there's going to be guys that even if we like them, they're going to be, they're not going to make the team just because of the, the depth that we have at the back end, running back the same thing. You know, we talked about the Blunt, We talked about Tyler Gaffney, Dion Lewis, for example, Brandon Bolden, um, you know, James, James White, uh, Donald Brown, there's going to be a D.J. Foster. There's a ton of guys you can name that you're going to like, or everybody's going to have their own fair share of liking, but it's going to come down to who can step up and, and take that one of those last spots. Uh, on defense, maybe it's a cornerback position like we talked about, where um, you know we're looking at who is going to compete. Um, I think a guy like E.J. Biggers, he's obviously a veteran. I don't think he has much of a shot, just because of how the undrafted guys have stepped up. Um, maybe the D-tackle. Maybe a guy like uh, you know Marcus Kuhn may not make it if you know Anthony Johnson does, or you know maybe someone you know maybe even Alan Branch, depending on the suspension. You know, could he be a guy that gets cut because?
0: Yeah, what do you think f- of all this? Because we haven't really heard a lot of information on it so far. It's kind of in the. It's kind of mysterious. Yeah, there's not a lot of
1: details out right now. Apparently, what's going on is he was suspended uh, for a violation of team act- uh, for team rules. So this, from what I read, this isn't an NFL thing. Uh, this is more of a team uh, team rules thing. Um, so th- it's it's very interesting because um, yo, know, when I saw him last game, he was rotating in with, with uh, Malcolm Brown on the first uh, the first set of the starting set of t- uh, defensive tackles, um, and now he's going to miss. Uh, they said at least a couple days. He obviously didn't play tonight. Um, so it'll be interesting. Uh, they could save some money if they cut him but again i don't think they would cut him they picked up his option uh uh his team option uh you know during the off season i think when they lost dominic easily it brought more of an importance when they lost Akeem uh, hicks also so i'm not so sure that they're going to cut him but this is definitely a situation to monitor especially if it's a team thing as opposed to an nfl thing where you know it's a very vague thing and um you know you never know what's going on with that cuz the patriots are always tight-lipped but uh yeah, I, I would say this is something to monitor, but I, I don't see much of it coming besides this the suspension. So I, I would say that he's okay in terms of uh, his roster spot for now.
0: Yeah, very, uh, I I totally agree. I think there's I think Nate Washington is another guy that uh, really doesn't have a big shot at making this team. I mean, you, you just he's behind so many guys on this roster in terms of who you actually want to be playing on the field, as well as just pure ability. I mean, he hasn't really like what does he have? That someone like a Malcolm Mitchell or a Devin Lucian or or even even someone like a Chris Harper has that you know he doesn't. I don't really see his his uh, his chances of making this team going very far.
1: Yeah, I think when he you know when he's been on the pup so long that you know when you're a fringe roster guy and you can't get even in on even on practice, it's 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 a horrible start. It's it's not good and it, it makes you look bad. Especially when you, you look at the Patriots, they have a lot of back-end, wide receiver depth. Uh, besides him being a veteran among these other guys, so, you know, I mean, when you look at these are a lot of young guys. So, Devin Lucien's a rookie. Keisha Martin, I think, is like a third- or fourth-year player. Um, you know, Chris Harper's a young guy as well. The only thing, really, you're looking at is he's a veteran who I think, you know, did decently last season. But, again, he signed a veteran minimum. You know, he's fighting for a roster spot. Sort of like how we saw out of... Um, I can't think of his name, but uh, he was a wide receiver for the Dolphins uh, for the Dolphins prior to coming over, and he had an injury and he he you know didn't make the roster. But it's just a situation where you're, the Patriots are always looking for someone like a Deion Lewis, where you know maybe you know players that don't do well, uh, you know are cast off. They come on the Patriots and they do well. I just think it's a situation where Washington was a veteran ad, and uh, with him not being able to play and, and other people stepping up. I agree with you 100%. I don't think he makes this roster at all.
0: Is there anyone else on the team that you think by the end of the 53, any big surprise name? I'm not asking for a big hot take, but uh, th- this is a deep team. And, I, you know, if there's one person that I don't think actually makes this team, I think we might be seeing a, a Brian Stork exit very soon. Just because David Andrews has been out playing him so far in preseason and this whole concussion thing, I, I don't know if he's actually going to make it through preseason. He, this – this concussion thing is a big problem.
1: Yeah, it's definitely a concerning thing. I think he suffered at least three or four concussions in consecutive years, and it's it's not it's not a situation where you like to see. Obviously, he's a very talented player. I think where he was a, a Remington a trophy winner out of Florida State, um, but yeah, he's just in terms of his health, it's a big issue. But something else that was brought up to me is that Andrews has multiple position of uh, versatility which obviously the Patriots value While stork is a strict center um, or at least he you know that's what he's done most of his career so that's another thing to keep in mind like you said David Andrews has definitely outplayed him so far and again how much you put into you know uh, his concussion uh, Storks is the, that's taken him out uh, that's a that's a different story but yeah I think that you know Andrews is a guy that um, You know, has multiple position versatility. And then if you have a guy like Josh Klein who can step in at backup center, um, because he he can play all over the interior offensive line, we could definitely see a guy like Brian Stork uh, exit the team, especially with his health. Um, But if I had to pick my own guy um, that um, that I think does make the roster, I'm trying to think of somebody that wouldn't. But in terms of someone who I think would, that unfortunately is still fighting a hamstring injury, I think, that's D.J. Foster.
0: Um, and yeah, I've been high on him, too. Whenever he actually gets on the field, he, he's so quick.
1: Yeah, I saw him live a couple weeks ago in, in training camp practice, and he just looks so good. He, he was very crisp. He's good out of the backfield, and he's got, again, that, that valued position versatility because uh, he played uh, running back in college. And then he played wide receiver for some reason his last year at Arizona State. Um, But I think that the guy he'd be competing with uh, for maybe a fifth running back spot, I think, is, um, is James White. And as much as James White is limited in terms of what he can do on the field because he's a very dynamic pass catcher, but he doesn't offer much in pass blocking or in the run game. So I think that if Foster had a shot, it was showing that he could run the ball and also pick up pass protection on third downs as well. But unfortunately, you know, with him being out, he's an undrafted free agent. He's a guy the Patriots are high on, but I think if he can't get on the field, it's harder for him to to make a a good impression and try and upseat someone like James White, who stepped in last season and did pretty well in the receiving game. So I would say that's probably the biggest thing is that it's going to be one of those two guys, and and if I think if Foster can play from here on out and do well and just show that he's more versatile all around than white. We could see white leave the, uh, the roster. I think, you know, that that's just, you know, it, the Patriots aren't afraid to cut players that are talented. Uh, if they don't, you know, do what's asked of them. It's the next man up uh, philosophy. So that would probably be my pick for who I think could make it and, and who might not make it.
0: Wonderful. Thanks so much, Doug. Any, uh, any last notes from the game before we let you go here?
1: Uh, no, I think the other thing to look at was, uh, you know, Brissett made some good throws. Uh, and I think he had a beautiful throw to um, to Devin Lucien in the end zone that Lucien just couldn't uh, grip. Yeah, he couldn't hold on to. But I think it's an encouraging sign um, at how well, you know, Brissett has done so far. Now, granted, he's faced second and third teams mostly. But, uh, you know, for a rookie who, you know, is a developmental type of guy, but obviously high upside, um, he's done well. So, that would be something I noticed as well, but um, yeah, we got to do something with the offensive line as well in general. Um, you know, we can't have Karen Fleming and, and uh, Marcus Cannon in in, in a tackle. So those would be those would be my two other things I noticed tonight.
0: Wonderful, thank you so much, Doug. I really appreciate uh, appreciate you coming on.
1: It's my pleasure. I appreciate you having me on. I look forward to talking to you soon.
0: All right, have a good one. Thanks. You too. Bye. That's going to do it for today's Patriots Beat podcast. If you want to help support the show, please give us a subscription rating and review on iTunes and Stitcher. Today's show is presented to you today by Blue Apron. Go to blueapron.com slash Celtics Beat to receive three free meals with free shipping on your first Blue Apron purchase. It's a great deal and also helps further support the network of the show. I want to thank everyone who tuned in and listened this week. I want to thank Doug Moore for coming on and giving us some Nice Patriot insight from their second preseason game. Want to thank Pat's content manager, Michael Longy. Want to thank Larry H. Russell, founder of the network, Nick Gelso. I'm Harris Rubenstein, and this has been the Patriot Beat Podcast, powered by CLNS Radio. We will be back here next week.